4: Washington, D.C.
2: Acknowledge me. Chris Russell on the Team 980. I'm not trying to be a jerk. (laughs) Alrighty, everybody. A good Monday afternoon, or as good as it can be, in the nation's capital and On this Monday, October the 30th, Yeah, my Lord, Savior 2023, and good Lord, do we need a Savior. Some new decorations in the studio I was just being made aware of. Matt's been decorating. It is Halloween. And this,
3: unfortunately,
2: is no trick. And it's also... No treat. And one might say, as Matt just alluded to in my headsets, that it's pretty scary to see your boy in the press box yesterday with um, a big plate of trash in his hands after I spilled a whole thing of nachos. Woo! Uh, uh, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, um, I did... Saucy in a good way. <laughs> well, it was not saucy in a good way. It was really sticky and slimy and weird and just everything. Next thing you know, he calls the chicken police on me. That's what Commander's PR had to do because I tried to ruin Craig Hoffman's seat and desk.
0: Honestly, I think that's what makes it even <laughs> funnier is the fact that you... Only seemed, in the photo, it only seems that you managed to get Craig's desk, Uh chair, and right at the floor of him. Like, you managed to miss yourself. Right. Which isn't what normally happens. Exactly. You managed to get it all along Craig's stuff.
2: I managed managed to spill lots of other things on me throughout the day. A little coffee. No surprise. a A lot of diet soda. I managed all of that. Somehow, some way, by the grace of the football gods, I managed to avoid spilling the, the nacho chips, the cheese, and the sour cream on your boy. So I, listen, I was kind of like, I was kind of like Jalen Hurts and the brotherly shove yesterday. I was trying to make a move. I was trying to score. And I fumbled at the one yard line. What can you do? I hear there's pictures about it. I hear there's stuff floating around social media. See, I'm busy, so I don't have time to examine all of this stuff. Um, but I will say this. That was the first fumble of the day. I spectacularly cleaned it up, or sort of. And much like the commander's day at the old ball yard yesterday, I got most of it cleaned up and taken care of it, but still left a mess behind. And that's where obviously our concentration will be, unless you want to talk about nachos and nacho cheese and how best not to spill it.
0: I heard that chair had to be taken out of rotation.
2: It it was. It was kind of like a landfill broken chair around here, uh, which there are many. Um, That had to be taken out of the rotation. That was the one nice thing Grant Paulson did to help me yesterday. uh, Is he took it out of the rotation with a dude in the third row behind us at the press box. Because what we do is we shove about 150 seats into a row where maybe 75 people should be sitting in. I wouldn't say so. There's all these extra seats.
0: He also took the photo, so it wasn't the only nice thing. Oh
2: well, that's not. That's that's nice for everyone. No, it's not nice to me. Well, you particularly. Um, But anyway, things did get slightly better after that, and maybe more than slightly. Maybe more than slightly, because the commanders were in control of that game. Much like I said, who was I having the conversation with um, at halftime? Uh, Ed Kratz, who I used to work with at SI.com. He covers the Eagles, longtime Eagles, other sports, beat writer, what have you. Really good guy. Uh, Really good guy. Actually, his sister, Jackie, works for Offenbachers, which is one of our great partners, and I— you know, uh, done a lot of business with Offenbacher, so I uh, want to send a shout-out to them. So Ed and I were catching up uh, at halftime, and I you know, I was blown away by how good Sam Howell looked and how good the commander's offense looked, and by consequence, how bad the Eagles' defense looked. And that's, of course, how they were treating it, not that, hey, man, look at this guy Sam Howell. It's, whoa. Boy, did the Eagles take this week off after spanking around the Miami Dolphins last Sunday night. And I said, Ed, I said, you haven't been around here enough. You've been around. You haven't been around here enough. Things are about to go horribly wrong. And this was, mind you, with a 17-10 lead after Joey Sly boots a 61-yard field goal Following a 56-yard field goal that had to be wiped out and taken off the board because of a false start uh, by the new left guard Chris Paul, and yet Joey Sly hit both of them as the halftime clock basically expired. Longest in Washington, yes, history. beating my guy Graham Gano by two yards. He had a 59-yarder, I think it was in 2011, and boy, Graham Gano had a tough day yesterday for the G-Men. Uh, And he's missed, I think, three field goals in the last two games. Not good. He's hurt, but still. Anyway, the Washington Commanders were only up 17-10 at the half. But they were up 14-3 at one point. 17-10 at the half after the failed fourth and one, uh, which turns into the A.J. Brown 16-yard touchdown pass, what have you. We'll get to all that but still 17 to 10 and you're feeling good about the offense it's quick it's quick paced it's it's a quick game short accurate throws they're still not running the ball they still have they absolutely loathe running the football except for the 29 yard run from Brian Robinson which on the immediate play after set up the 26 yard touchdown pass to Terry McLaurin and by the way, Chris Paul had an unbelievable pull block. I mean, whoo! Man, did he pancake somebody. I want to see that on, like, all those stupid little highlight things that they do on all the NFL shows. Because he popped somebody. I don't know who he popped, but he popped somebody on the move to spring Brian Robinson for that 29-yard run. But again, the Commanders have a religious aversion to running the football ever, period. Any At any point under Eric Bianini. But yet... For the first time, really, in a while. Maybe since the first two drives in Philadelphia in week four. And spots, maybe about a half or so, in Denver. For the first time, the offense was clicking on pretty much all cylinders. I mean, for this offense to score 17 points and a half is pretty damn impressive. When you consider that they only scored seven points the entire game. Against the Giants and had no clue what they were doing. And seven of those points, the only seven they scored, were because of a fortuitous, advantageous situation on special teams that set them up in Giants territory. But anyway, things were looking good. I said to Ed, I said, you know, I said, I've been around here too long to know that things are going to go right. That this is going to be smooth sailing. That this was going to be a tasty cake Sunday. That this was going to be a big old party in the nation's capital. And boy, was I right. Because after that, of course, you had another A.J. Brown touchdown. 25 yards. Another A.J. Brown catch. Another A.J. Brown catch. More history from A.J. Brown. Another bad matchup for A.J. Brown. And then on top of that, just to make it better, just to make it better, you had not just Devontae Smith, you had DeAndre Swift. You had the Swift and Smith brothers dialing it up. One for 38 on a busted coverage. I don't know what Danny Johnson was looking at. I like Danny Johnson. I don't know if exactly it's his fault, but it sure as hell looked like it. And then DeAndre Swift, the seven-yard run after the turnover late, which pretty much ends it, we think, or puts a final nail, we think, in the coffin of the Commanders at 38-24. Late in the fourth quarter, under two minutes left after another series of debacles. But yet... Even still, Jamison Crowder, Sam Howell connect on, listen, I mean, if you just judge the throw for what it was, you would say, ee, I mean, not exactly how you would draw it up, but because Sam Howell was under heavy pressure and Sam Howell's got a gun, he was able to throw it out. Into space, Jamison Crowder was able to run and catch up and die for it and come up with a touchdown that ultimately meant nothing but helped out a lot of fantasy teams. And maybe it did this, right? Depending on what you got the game at. If you got it at Washington plus the seven and a half, you know what it did? Cover! If you had Sam Howell on your fantasy team, you know who did your boy, your boy. That's right.
0: Little uh, fun horror story from yesterday. My best friend Uh had Sam Howell in his fantasy two
2: weeks ago and benched him.
0: Yes. Mm. Benched him after the Giants game because he was like, nope, this is the done deal. And then. Missed out on all those
2: glorious points that he would have gotten yesterday. You know what I almost did this week? Almost bench him? I almost benched Sam Howell. You know who my backup quarterback who isn't my backup quarterback who I haven't played in a month is? Trevor Lawrence. Somehow, someway, I had the fortuitous advanced knowledge to bench Curtis Samuel, who's also been racking up points for me for the most part, but now got hurt Last week, I knew he was hurt. I benched him. I said, I'm not even taking a chance. Good decision. Um, now, the guy I replaced him with was Rondale, Moore, Arizona. But I kept Sam Howell somehow by the grace of the fantasy football gods. I think that was a mistake. Now, Trevor Lawrence had a pretty good game, too. Got 27.6 fantasy points, through for almost 300. A touchdown, a pick, whatever. That's not slinging Sammy, baby. Slingin' Sammy, especially with that last touchdown to Jamison Crowder, almost 400 yards, 397. Four touchdowns, a pickle, a bad one. Four touchdowns, a pickle, and the rest. 42. Uh, this was adjusted a little bit from yesterday. 42.95 points for Slingin' Sammy Howell yesterday, if you had him on your Yahoo fantasy team like I have. Now, that being said, nobody really cares about my fantasy team. But the point being is, for all the bad that was yesterday, and you guys have been bitching and screaming, and and you're right. I mean, Ron's got to obviously throw the flag. We all know that. I don't want to do three hours of Ron's got to call the flag. And what what's Ron looking at? We all know it's not working. We all know it's not good enough. We all know it's mediocre at best. At best, at best. We all know it's not good enough. And if Josh Harris, Magic Johnson, Mitchell Rails, and Mark Ayn, the the lead four, the four tops, if you will, in the new ownership structure. If they don't know it's not working, then we need more help than we even think we do. Because what happened yesterday, while spirited, while feisty, while indicative of what this team could be, at least on offense, wasn't even good enough on offense, which we'll get to. But it was once again absolutely pathetic on defense. Once again. Jalen Hurts, who wore a leg sleeve in the second half of last Sunday night's game. Now, he wasn't on the injury report. He was, he was uh, practiced. Uh, what, what, I don't know how he wasn't listed on the injury report. Injury reports make no sense to me. But he wasn't listed. He wasn't wearing the sleeve yesterday. He comes out slow start. And, oh, by the way, again, should have, could have had a rushing touchdown on the brotherly shove and went instead fumble. But Jalen Hurts, 29 of 38, 319, and four touchdowns and no picks. And you say, all right, anybody can have a good game, right? And you're right. Anybody could have a good game. But here's what Jalen Hurts did in Philadelphia against the commander's defense. In week four, 25 of 37, 319. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. And nine carries for 34 yards. So you want to say, like, roughly, he accounted for about 350 yards. Jalen Hurts hasn't been great against any other team this year. Even against Miami, he was good, not great. Now, they executed the brotherly shove several times in that game to keep series going, but the point being, he has ripped apart, ripped apart, along with A.J. Brown. And it's not even, I mean, Devontae Smith had a touchdown yesterday on the busted coverage, but I want to say it's not even really Devontae Smith doing a lot of damage. He's done some. I don't want to say like he's done none. It's not even like Dallas Goddard has done a lot of damage. I mean, Julio Jones had the touchdown yesterday. Of course, again, in another zone that's got, you know, room to pitch a tent in, set up, wave hi to everybody. Wave hi to all the Eagles fans. Hello! Hi! Kelly Green! But whatever. But it's been A.J. Brown, and it's been Jalen Hurts, who have literally pillaged the commander's defense. And guess what? You can make a strong argument that the two Eagles losses, not in every way, but were their two best overall as a team performances of the year. Because of who you're going up against, how close the games were, how tight, combat, you know, competitive, what have you, even more than the wins at Arizona, at Denver, which looks a little bit better now that Denver's kind of woke it up here and, of course, beat the Chiefs yesterday at Atlanta, and again, the at Atlanta win, it was ugly. It wasn't particularly pretty, but Atlanta's a better team than I think most people thought. Although this show, or at least me, I, Matt, I don't. I think you picked somebody else. I picked the Atlanta Falcons to win the division, so I I'm not surprised by the Atlanta Falcons. But again, my point being in saying all this is we sit here and we say the Commanders went toe to toe for a second time this year with the defending NFC champion. Philadelphia Eagles, who are now seven and one. They went toe-to-toe, battled them tooth, nail, hook, scratch, claw, whatever, and lost two games. One in overtime, 34-31, and yesterday, 38-31. And their offense has scored 62 points against the Eagles in two games. Of course, their defense has allowed, again, the 38 and the 34. Say it with me, boys and girls. That's uh 72. Too many. Way too many. So we sit here on a Monday and go, oh my gosh, it's all gloom and doom. And we're right. It's all gloom and doom. It's three and five. It's not good enough. Yet there are these morsels of positivity. I'm going to not be as angry as many of you are today. Here's why. I feel finally a little bit better about this offense until I have to watch them next week against Bill Belichick and the Patriots. But for the next six days, I can somewhat go, we might have something here. Hopefully we do. Hopefully they figured it out. Everything else outside of my guy, Joey Sly, who I've championed forever, who I've I'm never sorry, criticized. What? what? I Tell me a time that I've been mean to Joey Sly. What?
0: <laughs> this week? Because it's
2: <laughs> been very short this week. Outside of my guy, Joey Sly. Everything else sucks. Everything. Everything else needs to be blown up. Tomorrow's the trade deadline. Tomorrow's Halloween. Again. This is no trick. This is no treat. You want to say it's scary? I would just say it's expected. It is what we all should have been expecting it to be. A dysfunctional mess. And it won't be cleared up. It won't be cleared up anytime soon and anytime, unfortunately, with this regime and this cast of characters. And it's not just the coaches. It's not just the coaches. Want to know why? Because the players play. And you know who didn't play well enough yesterday? while all you guys are... Taking your little shots at Emmanuel Forbes? I'll tell you who didn't play well enough yesterday, and they might not be here tomorrow. That's next on the Team 980, always live and free on the Odyssey app.
3: Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: That would help if I turned on my microphone. Yeah, what becomes of a broken heart? I think Commander's fans have had their heart not only broken so many times it's impossible to break it anymore it's null and void it's like it's it, it's like charcoal almost right there is no more blood pumping through the veins we we got an artificial like inflation maybe like a, a stent earlier this year when Dan sold. And the team started off 2 and 0. And now we're right back to the doom and gloom that we've faced for years and years and years. Some of us, 14 years, as in me. Sheehan's obviously been around for much longer than that. Craig's been around for about half of that time. Maddie, you are 30. You've grown up a commanders slash Redskins fan your whole life. So I don't know when you started counting or caring 22, 23 years ago, somewhere in that yeah, range. We'll call right? it 23, 24, something like that. All of our fans, young and old, men and women, wherever you're from, our hearts are all darkened. They're all basically, again, void. But yet, the anger is still there. I hear it. I see it. I know it. I feel it, and it should be, because they can't get this right. And yesterday, oh, and by the way, I never even threw out the number. My goodness. I just assume you guys know at this point. 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980. That's your number to get aboard on the Ace Law Listener Line's Interact Ace Law, I hope you get a check. Call them at 8888-Ace-Law. But call us first at 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980. If you want to get in, we'll get to you pretty quickly here. And then we'll kind of slow up the pace a little bit. But yesterday, we we could talk about the good. Sam Howell, the offense, Eric bien Jamison Crowder at the end, Terry McLaurin with the touchdown catch, some other things you don't like, okay, we'll get there, oh, all of a sudden, wow, hello, Jahan Dotson's alive again, look everybody, it's a Jahan Dotson alert, the offensive line, Pretty darn good. Only allowed one sack, one intentional grounding. Now, the sack came at a horrible time. Andrew Wiley was on skates for a couple of snaps, but still, you're going against Hassan Reddick. I don't expect you to blank Hassan Reddick for 75 snaps a game. But you know what was missing from yesterday besides maybe Ron having a clue and Jack? being able to figure out anything worth a damn on defense against a good offense instead of an anemic, vulgar, disgusting, putrid offense that they faced the last two weeks in the New York Giants and the Atlanta Falcons, who, by the way, benched Desmond Ritter finally yesterday. You know what was missing yesterday? Once again, the vaunted defensive line in a big spot against a good offense, in a must-have game, in must-have spot after must-have spot. I mean, see, we could sit here and rip Ron Rivera to shreds all day long, and many of you will, because, again, Ron doesn't deserve to get year five. Ron's a nice guy. Ron's done some good things. It hasn't all been bad. It hasn't been anywhere close to good enough. Anywhere close to good enough. And, like, nobody can dispute that. Not even Ron. If, if Ron was being honest with you instead of the political coffeehouse crap that we get served up, Ron would tell you it hasn't been anywhere close to being good enough. Speaking of nowhere close to be good enough, you know, Montez Sweat, if yesterday was his final game in the Commanders, with the Commanders, because there's all sorts of rumors... He was all right. Five tackles, a sack, two TFLs, a quarterback hit. But let's take a look at the rest of his buddies. Now, Deron Payne did force a fumble, right? Deron Payne did force a fumble. He had two tackles and nothing else across the board. Actually, you know what? Uh, I'm sorry. He's not being given credit in the official statistics for a forced fumble. I'll have to double check that out. But did anybody notice Duran Payne in a big-time significant way, in a noticeable sort of way yesterday? Oh, you know what? That was Deron Payne last week. I'm confusing last week's game where he forced the fumble. That's right. That, that's what it was. That, m- my fault then. that. All right, so Deron Payne had two tackles and nothing else across the board. You want to know what Chase Young, if yesterday was his final day in a commander's uniform, was able to present? One tackle. One. Nothing else. No other pressures, hits, sacks, nothing. One tackle. You know what Jonathan Allen did yesterday? Now, he did have two quarterback hits. I can't disqualify that. One tackle. So... Let me just total this up for you. Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, and Chase Young, three-fourths of the vaunted defensive line, had a total combined four tackles and two quarterback hits. Four tackles and two quarterback hits. Now, obviously, I'm excluding Montez Sweat from that because, again, Montez... I don't want to say he played great, but at least you felt like he sort of did his part, right, with a sack and five tackles and a couple of TFLs. The rest of those guys were ghosts on the eve of Halloween. They were ghosts. You cannot stop a prolific offense. You cannot stop a great quarterback and wide receiver, you cannot win games consistently if the very, very, very best part of your team, the group that has been hailed, saluted, praised, thrown bouquets at for years now, they invested four consecutive first-round picks and gobs and gobs and gobs of money in if they don't bother to show up when you need them the most. Now, the Eagles' offensive line is great. I need you to do better. You guys are going to go after Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio? I understand that. I'm not here to defend them. They're both very, very mediocre At best, coaches. Very mediocre. And mediocre might be kind. But I cannot sit here and just blame those two when the Rolls Royce, the Cadillac, and the Ferrari on the defensive line give me four combined tackles and two quarterback hits in a football game in which I allow 38 points. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. That's the reason why this team consistently gets lit up like a Christmas tree on defense. Because they're not good enough. Time for a trending alert and then your calls in a flash. Stay tuned right here on the Team 980. All right, Kirk Cousins is expected to have a torn Achilles tendon um, so we are waiting official word on that from the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and we do not have that at this point. But who could replace him could be Colt McCoy, former Redskins quarterback. He worked with Kevin O'Connell here in Washington, worked out earlier this year for the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings now back to 500 at 4-4. Four and four. Meanwhile, Monday night football tonight. It is the Las Vegas Raiders. Jimmy Garoppolo somehow going to actually start this game. And they'll be taking on Detroit, which got spanked in Baltimore eight days ago. And they'll be looking for some home cooking. Jared Goff and the Lions coverage on 106.7. The fan at 7.30 kickoff right around 8.15. Meanwhile, here on the Team 980 at 6.45, the pregame coverage for the Boston Celtics' Kristaps Porzingis coming back into town and the Washington Wizards again 645 the coverage there Craig Hoffman actually coming up live at four o'clock from C1A before the Celtics and the Wiz and that's what's trending it is a Motown Misery Monday in the nation's capital and and beyond on the Odyssey app. Good to have you with us. We'll go right back, or right out to the phones, I should say, in just a moment. Jay Gruden coming up in less than an hour. Ron Rivera at three o'clock. That ought to be interesting. Uh, the trending alert that we just brought you is brought to you by BMW now through October 31st. That's tomorrow. Lease an all electric 2024 BMW i4 eDrive 35. For just $4.99 a month, for 36 months, 4599 due at signing. For details, visit your local Washington, D.C., BMW Center, or go to bmwcenters.com today. Appreciate them being aboard uh, with us. All right, 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980. So, again, Chase Young had one tackle yesterday, if that was his final game. That's how he goes out. I mean, it looks like Montez Sweat certainly is the clear preference, at least as far as we can tell, on the trade market, but we will see. But Chase Young, one tackle. Jonathan Allen, we just told you. One tackle, two quarterback hits. Deron Payne, two tackles, nothing else across the board. So those three guys, those three guys in a game that the Commanders absolutely had to have and got plenty of help with on the offense, had a combined four tackles and two quarterback hits. Now, granted, again, it's probably not fair to isolate Montez sweat from the group. So if we're talking about the whole group, okay, they had one sack. They had nine tackles because Montez had five. And three quarterback hits. All right. Even if you include Montez, would anybody walk away going, Yeah, man, that was awesome. Boy, that's exactly what we invested four first round picks in and a boatload of money. No. So again, we could sit here and kill Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio from now until kingdom come, from now until we turn blue in the face. I, I, and I got it. I'm going to let you guys do it because I, I, I'm not stupid. I understand how this works, but my job is to point out some context and say, yeah, they are certainly to blame. They are part of the problem and a big part of the problem, meaning Jack, Ron, staff, what have you. But this vaunted defensive line, which has four first-round picks in a row and so much invested in it currently and potentially – has got to do better than that. And I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. It's not good enough. It never has been good enough. It never will be good enough. Trade everyone. If I was Ron Rivera, the Marty Party, Josh Harris, I walked past Josh Harris's secret office yesterday. If I was them, I'd be huddled at the conference table right now, and I'd be burning up the phone lines. I'd trade Chase Young, Montez Sweat. I'd trade Jonathan Allen. I'd trade Deron Payne. You can't because of the cap hit. I'd trade Kendall Fuller. I would not trade Cam Curl. I would trade Curtis Samuel. I'd trade Antonio Gibson. I'd trade Jacoby Brissett. None of it is working. None of it. Blow it up. It's time to blow it up. Three zero one two three zero zero nine eighty three zero one two three zero zero nine eighty. Let's get to it and start knocking down the calls here on the team nine eighty. Mark is in Largo in the leadoff spot. What up, Mark? How are you doing,
4: Chris? Chris Hi, Mark. Chris, what's that, going on? That, what you just said. What you just said is so not and I'm gonna tell you why it's not I you could blame the players, and that's fine. All I know is this. Eric changed the changed his game, and the defense played better. Jack Del Rio is too rigid in his game plan. And I told you a couple weeks ago with Doc Walker what they should do. I told you what they should do. They should move players around the line to get a better field, and then maybe Brits. You know what's sad, Chris? We're go- I- I- and I am going to tear uh, Jack Del Rio up. Because if Greg Williams had this defensive line, this defense would be six and one this team would be seven and one. Why? Because Greg Williams pushes from the stand. But of course, that was before you got here. You're you're a Minnesota native. You don't remember the Joe Gibbs era. So you don't know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about Greg Williams. I remember Greg Williams. Where do you
2: think I was living? In Mars? I mean, of course I know Greg Williams. Well, Minnesota is close to Mars. I'm not from Minnesota, by the way.
4: Okay, fine, 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 fair. But my point is this. Greg Williams would be blitzing everywhere. When you have a defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale, blitzing everywhere. If Wink Martindale had this defense, blitzing everywhere. Jack doesn't do that. Look, Jalen Hurts was hurt yesterday. He couldn't hardly move. Jack couldn't take advantage of that. Instead of moving people around, trying to get sacked and everything, it would have made it a lot better. Yes, I, the defensive line can only do what they're told to do. And you're not going to get get a pass rush against that offensive line. It's not like Philadelphia, I mean, is, okay, the Bears, even though they crapped against the Bears, but sometimes you as a defensive coordinator, you got to switch it up. And he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. And I called you out, and Doc agreed with me a couple of weeks ago. And I think privately you agree with me. Jack is too rigid, and so is Ron. And don't get me started on four, one fourth down play where Ron didn't call the damn a damn uh, challenge order. I don't know what Ron was thinking about. I would have thought he do it last week against the Giants. He was wrong. Okay, fine. Throw it again. That's
2: probably what he was that thinking
4: about. the game. That changed the game. Yes. You know what's funny, Chris? Bill Parcells used to say this when he was playing against the Redskins in the '80s. He knew he couldn't compete with Joe Gibbs' talent-wise, so he would have to take chances, and that's how the Giants beat us in the '80s. This was back when you was a teenager up in Minnesota, and Washington was beating the hell out of y'all in the NFC title game. Where and did the you get season, this Minnesota crying, like, thing face. from?
2: Where did you get this Minnesota anyway, thing? You, I, I think. Th- yeah, exactly. All right. Enough. Enough. I like you, Mark, except when you pick on me and think that I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan because I have respect for Kirk Cousins. 301 230 Let's squeeze in. Uh, let's go to Johnny in Chicago on the Odyssey app. What up, Johnny? How are you?
5: Hey, what's up, Chris? What's I'm not going to, to call you at. I'm not fit to call and yell or anything like that because I've been done with this team a couple of years ago. Uh, it, it's the same old mess with the defense. Jack Del Rio, just stubborn. He When he do blitz, we don't get to the quarterback. He's in a late blitz. It's the same routine with this defense, Chris. And I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm used to it right now. And I just want to know, I want to ask you, Chris, uh, how long is it going to take? But Josh Harris, to get rid of Rivera in this in this whole coaching staff. do we have to wait to the end of the season, Chris?
2: I don't think you do. You I, I don't think you do. There's still two opportunities, John still two opportunities mm-hmm. to do it naturally, if you will. Mm-hmm. And that's after the mm-hmm. Dallas Thanksgiving Day game on, uh right, y- you know, uh, that's the next logical spot. And then the bye week is two weeks after that, after you probably week. get spent. I mean, think about this. If Jalen Hurts and the Eagles have put up 38 and 34 points against this defense, what's if two is playing and Mike McDaniels and uh, Mike yeah. McDaniel and Tyree kill yeah. and Jalen Waddle can to do with Devin eight yeah. chain back. What are they going to yeah. do against this defense?
5: Yeah, I, I, you know what, Chris, uh, and, and uh, I'm not gonna keep you on hold, but but I want to ask you something, and this is my opinion. Everybody has their own opinion, uh, Chris. Do you think Jim harbar would be the type of coach that that we need here? Uh, 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 a coach that it, it, he gets into his players. His players love him. They will work hard for. Do you think? This is my opinion. Do you think Jim harbar would be a good fit for Washington because I'm hearing reports that if he do go to the NFL, they're going to suspend him for like four or five games because what's going on yeah, in Michigan.
2: supposedly the NFL, supposedly, supposedly, right. Johnny, is going to basically respect a suspension or a banishment or uh, something of Jim Harbaugh, if he is indeed suspended by Michigan and or the NCAA, supposedly they will not just pluck him off the streets and get him out of that. Now, again, I, we'll have to see. Do I think his style would work in the NFL? Of course I think mm-hmm. it would work in the NFL. It already has in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. The problem that I got to be honest with is I do not think his preferred methodology is where the NFL is right now, which is mm-hmm. again a a pass heavier type set. And I know mm-hmm. he's opened up the offense a little bit uh, at Michigan, and he's a quarter a former quarterback, so it's not like he can't coach offense. But I I don't I don't see that being a great fit, and I also see it as him being kind of abrasive and maybe difficult. To work with, I could be wrong. I don't know the guy that's more perception and watching him over the years. Obviously, he's done Mm -hmm. a good enough job at San Francisco, Stanford, San Diego, Michigan, what have you. But Mm -hmm. he is not an easy guy to deal with, number one. And number two, I don't know if he would be able to kind of. Stay with the times, if you will, and really, really, really figure it out again in a second stint in the NFL uh, in in this go around, even though he had some success with the 49ers. I appreciate the phone call, John. I got to let you run. We got to take a quick time out. More of your calls coming up. 301-230-0980. 301-230-0980 on the Team 980 on a victory. On a victory. On a misery. Motown Monday. Sorry about that. All right, 153, Team 980, good to have you with us on a misery Motown Monday. Again, we can sit here and single-handedly blame Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera for anything and everything. Of course, they're largely responsible. I just don't do a radio show that takes the lowest common denominator, hangs it up on the pinata hook, and then just lets everybody swing a bat at it because that's – that's obvious we know it's not good enough you know it's like if you take a carton of milk or or or, or, you know a gallon of milk out of the refrigerator and it's past due the expiration date and it's got a little bit of funk and you and you're like "Eh, maybe it's, it's not good enough it's not good enough for consumption It's past due. It's done. It's not changing. It's not getting better. It's not edible. It's not drinkable. That's exactly what this staff is. Nice guys. I mean, I, I don't know Jack at all. Jack Jack was very cold anytime, you know, that I got a chance to say hello to him. So I, I don't know him at all. I'm sure he's a decent guy, but just don't know him at all. Ron, I feel like I know, you know, fairly. he's been good to my kid, and I feel bad, but, I mean, it's just not good enough. Uh, what do you want me to tell you? Not a bad guy, not a terrible coach. It's just not good enough. Back to the phones we go. Let's squeeze in, well, um, uh, let's go here. Uh, let's go to Danny, the Hall of Famer who had to watch. I think from the crowd, I didn't get to see Danny yesterday. What up, Danny? How are you?
1: I'm doing good, Chris. Five hours. I was in that. I was in that from the, the time s- the stadium opened at eleven of green. until <laughs> the game ended.
2: Yeah, and the sea of, and the <laughs> uh, sea of green. I was right in the middle of uh-huh. all that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Lots of green in my section. Yes,
2: yes, yes. <laughs> but
1: uh, you know, like I was telling Doc you know it, it it has to be these players have to be motivated they have to they have to be you know, have to know what was at stake yesterday they knew they were dealing with a quarterback that was, was was immobile and no pressure i mean no pressure to try to get him you know off his game a little bit and uh it it was just frustrating
2: i mean it was beyond frustrating uh because you know if you if if you look at it danny from from this standpoint you know, again, I don't want to say the offense played a perfect game. They didn't. They made some mistakes. Um, we'll go through it all. But that's about as good as this offense in, in in its current form is going to play. You know, when you have a quarterback that throws for almost 400 yards, uh, a bunch of touchdowns, three, uh, when when he, you know, only turns the ball over once, when he only gets sacked once, when there's only one intentional grounding, uh, when you try and run it, you actually get some decent results. And everything, I don't want to say worked out perfectly, but but when you get that, you have to find a way to win those games, especially when you're at home, especially when you're in desperation mode, which, make no mistake about it, they were. And I don't care that it was the right. Eagles. Bottom line, they're in desperation mode, and you got to win that game when you get that kind of offensive effort. And yet, not only did they not win, but it almost feels like they're no closer to winning even though theoretically they they only lost by 7 it still feels like they're miles and miles and miles apart from the eagles despite two close losses because they ultimately make too many mistakes and don't execute yeah, and enough where they have the most resources yeah
1: yeah and giving giving up 30 points is it's skin it's, it's tiring i mean it's like Every week it's like, you know, they're, they just can't stop, you know, and they make great plays and then all of a sudden they give up the big third down play, you know, it's just frustrating. they can't, you know, they don't see that coming and they don't, you know, it's the defense just got to, got to wake up. I mean, they got to wake up.
2: Four times out of five losses, uh, I, I should say five games, four times out of five losses, 33 points or more this year. I mean, tells you everything. Uh, Glad you got out of that sea of green alive (laughs) because it was chomping, no doubt about it. Always good to hear from you, Danny. Uh, Appreciate you as always. Oh, and by the way, happy four-year anniversary, Nationals fans. Danny, of course, works at Nationals Park as well. Woo! Happy four-year anniversary. On this night four years ago, you guys saw your first and only but first World Series championship as the Nationals beat the Houston Astros in Game 7. 158, Team 980, Odyssey app. All of your calls coming up. Jay Gruden as well next hour. Stay tuned on a Monday afternoon in the nation's capital and beyond.
3: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day.